RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather headquarters in Lawfather Studios. And as always, big thank you to Radio Influence and everything that they do to make sure that this podcast runs smoothly and um, all the other shows on Radio Influence. So if you like this show, please go ahead and take a look and uh, not a look. I guess you can't really look at a podcast, but you can look at your phone and find the podcast and then listen to the podcast. How about that? All right. So they had a lot of great shows on there. Check them out. And um, as always, check out our social media. We're trying to do some fun and interesting things on there, uh, especially those of you listening on TikTok. We're trying to up our TikTok game, if you will. So take a look at all of our socials and uh, we will be entertaining you from there and also providing a little bit of, call it free legal advice. Okay. So anyway, Without further ado, let's get the show started today, and let's look at mask mandates, and not mask mandates from where you would expect me to go with starting out a show saying that we're going to discuss mask mandates, okay? Because you know what? There's an area that has gotten forgotten about, or at least I forgot about it. I'm sure it hasn't really been forgotten about, but probably something that a lot of you who are listening don't really uh, give any thought to. How about masks while somebody is testifying in court and some of the regulations that courts have for that, right? Here in Florida, hey, you know, things are, are pretty wide open, but, you know, and the courts are all different. So some courts are a little bit shut down. Some courts are wide open. Some courts are requiring masks. Some are not, right? Um, but, you know, Keep in mind that there's other states that are exist outside of Florida. There's, I don't know, 49 other states that exist that all have different rules. And most of them, I would say probably of the 50 states, 49 other states have been more strict than Florida has in regards to uh, any kind of COVID regulations. So it begs the question in a case and, and whether it is a criminal case or whether it is a civil case, if you are the defendant, what changes if you're testifying while you're wearing a mask? If you are a witness in a criminal or a civil case, what changes for you if you're wearing a mask, right? And how does that impact the state in a criminal case or the plaintiff in, in a civil case or the defendant in either a civil or criminal case? So kind of an interesting thing to consider and think about here is that what is the impact of that? So let's look at an analogy to that that exists. And and look, it's not a great analogy. It's just probably the best that we have. Okay. And, you know, there there's there's certain crimes that are, are, are so heinous and, and that you don't want to necessarily have to have the person testify. Okay. Uh, in person, in front of the defendant right? In the same room. You really, you know, you really don't want to do that, right? Wouldn't there, wouldn't it be great if, oh, I don't know, you could do a Zoom and Zoom your child victim witness into the courtroom, right? To let the jury see and, and go from there, right? Or any other heinous type crime that you can think of where, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could do that for this victim? 
But our Constitution provides for the defendant to have a right to face his or her accuser, right? So if we don't allow video testimony, might that be something to consider as to why not to not allow people to wear masks while testifying? And I think you can take it a step further. I think you can look at the attorneys as well. And look, I don't want this to turn into a everybody should wear a mask versus nobody should wear a mask debate. That's not what this is. We're talking about a single controlled environment, a single room, okay? Look, essentially, I'd rather have you close off the courtroom and make it not public or force everybody who's coming in to wear a mask than to have everybody on the other side of what's called the bar, right? That that when you watch movies or TV, that piece of, of wood that's so, I don't know, about waist height that has a usually a swinging door, okay? That's called the bar, right? The people, the judge, the attorneys, the defendants, the plaintiffs, all of the, the jury, the bailiffs, uh, the clerk of court, the... You know, those people are all on the other side of the bar. If you want to make the public wear masks when they come in, hey, that's your prerogative. I'm not I'm not one to sit here and say what should be done or shouldn't be done in terms of that. It's well beyond my purview, okay? But it's something to think about as to does it have an impact on a case? Because the reason why we have live juries, right? The, the reason why they're right there and, and it's not just... A robot, or, or the reason why you use a jury versus using just a judge for a trial is a judge just looks at the law. The law was broken, or the law was violated, or it was not. Okay. A jury can take other things into consideration. Okay. That's just the role of a jury. And, and if you take away the ability for a jury to infer whether or not someone's truthful, you're taking a lot of tools away. And that that applies to both sides, whether it's the prosecution side or the plaintiff side or the defense side, right? You're taking away a tool. Credibility is huge. And I don't care what kind of case it is, whether it's the most outlandish criminal case or the most simplified civil case, doesn't matter. It all comes down to credibility. Is this person telling the truth? Is this witness telling the truth? Is this defendant telling the truth? Is this plaintiff telling the truth? How much of what they're saying can we believe? How much is being embellished? How much is just exaggeration? All of those things come into play, right? You have, let's just say, um, you have somebody that has been charged with murder and, and it was uh, a crime of passion, right? This person, they have anger problems and they're super angry, right? You, as the, as the state attorney, maybe you want to elicit that anger from the person, right? But maybe that person's really good at holding it in, except for they can't stop the facial expressions. How are you as a jury ever going to see that if that person is wearing a mask, okay? Because maybe that person really did do it, but maybe because they can hide their true feelings inside with a mask, maybe they get off, okay? Or maybe the reverse happens, right? Maybe because they were wearing a mask, they get convicted, right? Hey, you know what? The uh, person who came in and robbed the bank, they were wearing a mask, and all I could do was see their eyes, and, and their eyes had, you know, 
a cold look to them. All right. Well, now you have a defendant that's on the stand and they're being forced to wear a mask. Maybe it's a different type of mask, but still, right? And all you can see are their eyes. And who knows what that looks like, right? So you could have all of these different scenarios that come into play that we would never typically have. So like I said, it's just, it's really something to consider. I think it's really interesting to look at and think about the interplay of this because there are other parts where you would want to shield somebody and, and we don't. We force them to be there in person. Now, should the attorneys have masks on or not? Doesn't matter, right? And, and it goes like this. And, and, and look, I went to, you know, those of you who kind of follow along, I went to Stetson Law and Stetson Law is really regarded as kind of one of the top around for what's called trial advocacy, which is just... Uh, they, they do a lot of teaching in terms of how to be a trial lawyer, how to go to trial, how to, how to elicit testimony and the things that you should do. Right. So this is why it matters, right? Cause you just, what, what does it matter if the attorney's wearing a mask or not? It shouldn't matter because it's not about them. Oh, that's where your first part would be wrong. It's not about the attorneys. It is all about the attorneys. Okay. Because, Look, a, 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 you don't even necessarily have to be a great attorney, right? You don't have to be great at the law, especially in a trial. You just have to be great at trying a case. You have to be great at providing theater, okay? Doesn't mean you have the best case ever. Doesn't mean you're the best lawyer ever. Or maybe that does make you the best lawyer ever, okay? Maybe it's just that you don't have to be the best academic lawyer ever, okay? You have to put on the best show, right? And by show, I don't mean necessarily bright, flashy suits and, and gaudy Rolexes and, you know, pinky rings and whatever else you could think of that would be a big show. No, it could be very, very simplistic, okay? It is putting on a show. I can tell you the best defense attorney that I have ever had in a trial had nothing to do with his understanding of the law or his ability to understand the legal side of things. It was the best performance by a defense attorney because, and I don't mean to knock somebody of this age group, but he, he was of age to be somebody's grandfather and he dressed like it and he addressed the jury like it. And it was just, I sat there going, we're going to lose this case. We're absolutely going to lose this case because, and, and I like the guy. I do it. And I, I, I've had many conversations with him outside of trial. And it's just different. It's a different conversation. But all of a sudden, grandpa was right there speaking to the jury, telling them what, what they should find credible, right? Here we go, all the way back to credible, right? And what they shouldn't and what they should pay the plaintiff versus what they shouldn't, okay? I kid you not, the jury came back, and they gave us the exact amount of money that he told them to give us, okay? So it's not all about the facts always. It's about the showmanship. And would that have been different if he was wearing a mask? Most likely, Okay, it just would have been. It would have had a different feel. Uh, he may not have been able to portray that same, you know, grandpa feel for for lack of a better term. 
Okay, so there are those little nuances. And, and so we focused so far on the credibility aspect, the hiding of one's face and what that does. And maybe that helps some and maybe that hinders some. But what if we consider this? Juries are made up of a jury of your peers, right? But what does that mean? We know from our everyday life, our peers, maybe someone who's on the far left, maybe someone who's on the far right, maybe someone who's right in the middle, maybe somebody who's a conspiracy theorist, maybe someone who has no idea about anything about politics, another one who doesn't care about politics whatsoever, right? And anywhere in between any of those different pieces, right? Masks have become really highly politicized. Right, wrong, or indifferent, they have been. Now, all of a sudden, we're bringing this highly politicized piece into a courtroom, right? And I don't mean, and I believe they call it the gallery, but where the, where the public sits behind the bar in the church pews, okay? That's, that's one thing. But in front of the bar, where the jury is, and, and essentially giving, and, and I don't know how you would get around this. Essentially, if you're in a jurisdiction where they give you a choice whether or not to wear a mask, Okay, how does that affect you? Because what if you have a jury that has mostly people who are anti-mask people? How does that affect you? Whether you're a plaintiff or a defendant, does that, can that affect you negatively? Sure, I would say so, right? What if on the flip side of it, you were the type that was like, I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. I could tell you personally, if I had a choice and I'm up there and I'm, I'm up there questioning a witness... I'd much rather do it without a mask on. It's more comfortable. It's easier to talk. I can get more inflection out. I can, you know, give a little smile to the jury at the right time, right? And I can, on the flip side, I can read the jury because I'm looking at them. I want to know with what I say, who's reacting to what? And a lot, so much of what we do on a day-to-day basis is from nonverbal cues. And I think we lose a lot of that. I mean, think about when you've been out of a store, right? And, and someone's helping you, and, and it's it's not really a situation where it elicits a verbal response, but you just smile at the person, right? You give them kind of a smile and a nod to, to indicate, yes, I heard you, or what you said was a little funny, or I appreciate whatever you said, right? How much of that do you lose with a mask? Yeah, you can kind of see if someone smiles with their eyes, maybe, but you got to be looking really closely right? A smile can usually be seen pretty much easily without a mask. So that really is a concern and a consideration, right? And if we take it back to you're in a, you're in a spot where we go the reverse of what we said, where you're, you have a jury full of people who go, uh, we're anti-maskers. We don't want any, we don't think anybody should be wearing a mask, right? But then you have a defendant who is, or a plaintiff who is now all of a sudden, oh, oh, that person, ooh, they can't be trusted. They're wearing a mask, right? But we can easily flip that around, right? And we have a jury full of people who, hey, you know what? Everybody should wear a mask. And it's in an area where you have a choice whether you do or you don't. And somebody doesn't, right? Say the attorney doesn't, but the but the client does, right? But that jury goes, I don't know about that client because that client's attorney, they're not wearing a mask, right? And it can have an impact on the entire outcome. 
right? And that is the power of choosing the right attorney. And that is the power that a jury can can have on a case, okay? They can, they can straight up not like somebody and go, we just don't find that person credible, all right? And why does it matter about the attorney? Well, just like the one defense attorney I told you about. And, well, how about this, right? When we are doing cross-examination, one of the things that, and I brought up Stetson before, because one of the things that I learned in law school and has served me very well in trials is that when you're doing cross-examination, it's not about the witness. It is not. It is about you as the attorney. You are the star of that show. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you can ask what's called leading questions, uh, meaning that you were there at the time that those murders took place. No, I wasn't, as the answer. Well, I, as the attorney, have already put that out there, right? I've already put that in the jury's head because I said it in a way that I said, you were there. You were there at that time, right? And, and it's, it, here's the minutia of the details that you can get into is that where you position the podium, and some of this comes down to the judge, right? But there's always a podium, at least every courtroom that I've ever been in, there's, there's a podium for us to use. We can put our notes on there and, and notepads, and we can make notes as we go. And uh, it also just gives you a really nice thing to lean on because it's kind of awkward just standing there, sitting there, standing there asking questions for an hour at a time, right? But when you're doing direct, meaning you're, at, you're talking to your own witness, it's their story, it's their show. Well, you pull that podium back. You don't want the jury focused on you, so you pull your podium behind the jury. So they're not, they'd have to actually turn around to see you, right? And so you position it like that. When you're doing cross-examination, you put it right in between yourself and the jury because you want that jury looking at you, right? So when you go, hey, it doesn't matter what the, what the lawyer does as to whether or not that lawyer's wearing a mask, it absolutely matters, right? It absolutely matters in the sense of can we get these prejudicial results in cases because of that? And that's what the entire question is. So look, today's show, not about providing answers. Usually I provide you all some answers or at least some opinions on things. Today's show is not about that. Today's show is, I want you to stop and think about it. All right. I'm going to give you homework. I know it's not school. It's entertainment. Maybe entertaining. I don't know. Jason laughs sometimes at some of my stupid jokes, but, um, and they're really not that good, but they're more like dad jokes, but I get laughs from Jason. So I was trying to right there and you know, I got nothing. So I guess that was a terrible, terrible joke. But anyway, I'd like to hear from you all. I really would. Okay. I hit me up on social. I'll put a post up on this, maybe even a poll. And, and I want to get some insight as to answers to this. What is the right answer? Right? Is the right answer to go that everybody that is participating in the trial doesn't wear a mask? Is it that everybody participating in the trial should? Or should it be up to the individual participants? Okay? And do you think it truly has an impact on the case? I think it could. But I want to hear from you. All right? So that is what masks look like in 2021 as we are coming real close to the end of 2021 almost into 2022 and i don't know if any of us really thought coming out of 2020 that here we are going into 2022 and i think masks are gonna 
be around probably for another year, maybe more. I don't know. Um, those of you who have had to travel and uh, wear masks for flights and all that, uh, I, I know a lot of us that have uh, are, are hoping that there's an end to this. Maybe there's an end. Maybe there's some normalcy that we will see, but maybe there's not a, a maybe this is normal. Maybe this is where we are forever and ever and ever. I don't know. I'm, I am not the one that gets to make those decisions, and I have no idea what those answers are. So anyway, really informative today, right, Jason? I have no idea about a lot, it turns out. Anyway, um, be, that, be that as it may, I would like to jump into a listener question today. So here we go. How long does it take for a personal injury case to resolve? Really valid question. Okay. And the answer, like a lot of law answers is it depends. Uh, it, it depends on the type of case. It depends on the severity of the case. It depends on how much assets or insurance are available. Okay. So those are your key pieces, right? Now put it like this. I can tell you on average for our car crash and slip and fall cases, it's six to nine months. Okay. That's the average across the board. If we took every single case that we have, six to nine months. That said, slip and fall cases tend to take longer, uh, mostly because they usually end up in litigation, which that tends to to run longer as a whole. The fact of the matter is there's more car crash cases, so therefore it skews that average six to nine months, okay? But sometimes it's quicker than six months. Sometimes it's, you know, three months if you have the right mix of a bad crash with bad injuries and a really low policy limit and kind of anywhere in between, right? So you can go longer than nine months, especially if you get into your more severe cases, bigger injuries, bigger damages, cases that need to go into litigation. Oh, by all means, they're going to be going forever. Uh, we just set a trial date. Um, I don't know. Uh, we set the trial date a month ago, I think, and it's for July. And it's for July of 2022, because that was the earliest date we could get from the court. And I believe it's the end of July. So that is how backed up the courts are. And so that would have been November 2021. Uh, it may have even been October of 21 that we set that trial date. But anyway, once you get into trial, all bets are off on timelines. Um, anything can happen at that point. But average time to resolve a personal injury case, six to nine months. Some factors can make it shorter. Some factors can make it longer. Fair enough. All right, everybody. That is the show for today right here. Lawfather headquarters. As I said before, check out all my friends on Radio Influence. They all do a really great job. Probably a little bit better job than the Lawfather, but I think most of them actually are professional radio people. Love that. All right. Anyway, that is the show for today. Lawfather out.